plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Hey, driving again. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. Do you hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to a bunker sweet postseason edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Tim Kawakami, Marcus Thompson. We had calls from the fan base, uh, the the listenership, to have kind of a more, I guess, season wrap up exit interview. Maybe this is the exit interview. I should say this is a Warriors plus minus. This ain't Warriors All 82. We just uh, were at Chase Center because Bob Myers and hold Steve on, Kerr. On. They were called. We we were up to. 5 a.m. recording a pod, and they wanted another pod after that? They didn't get the Kawakami perspective. You didn't give them enough, clearly. He's unbelievable. I was was listening to it going, man, these guys sound tired. (laughs) I was listening to it going, that. It was literally daylight when we walked outside. (laughs) Yeah, we walked out, and, I mean, if you know how TD Garden set up, and I know Tim does because he was there for three and four. uh, Yeah, we walked out. It was daylight outside, and then we we hooked the corner. (sighs) around the arena to go out to Causeway Street, and there was buses picking up some of the Warriors people still partying. And it was like, it was light out. It was... It's funny, because I was talking to one of the security guards, and, you know, they're trying to organize it, you know, making sure there's no friction as they come. The bus is there. Next, you know, you know that you know that escalator that oh, leads yeah. up. Oh yeah. Next thing you know, you see this big, large contingent coming down the escalator, and the one person who was very obvious to spot because he had on this like blue flower fit was, and the trophy in his hand was Steph, and it's like, yo, they're just. <laughs> it was five. It was like five fifteen. Five fifteen. I remember. I got back to the hotel at like five thirty. And the great way to think about the causeway is there probably were still drunk Boston people wandering around there. If I if I know the causeway very well, it wasn't empty. That's <laughs> <what> it, was. <laughs> it wasn't rowdy though. It felt. It felt a little bit more like a depressing. But uh, we're now back in the Chase Center. The draft is tomorrow. They're starting to set up the draft, uh, you know, for, I guess, media tomorrow. Um, we can get into the pick in a little bit. It's obviously, like, to me, like one of the most least interesting parts of their offseason. The hugest pick Marcus of all time. He's trying to grill Myers about the Jacob Evans pick. He's like, you were so what if you won I was waiting for you to actually name Jacob Evans. <laughs> I was trying. I was actually trying to avoid it. I did, did eventually. Because yeah. then I asked him about it. He starts talking about the wrong year. <laughs> I was like, we're not going to act like Jacob Evans didn't happen. You can't just skip to 2019 when you drafted yeah. Bulls. So this is, not a, this is not a look back podcast already. This is a Marcus Thompson grilling of the Warriors' failures in order to get to this fourth championship. If you had drafted smartly, you could have gotten more championships than four. Beyond, beyond seven by now. <laughs> you know they'd probably just blame Draymond for the pick. <laughs> by the way, there was other good players in that draft. But anyway, I think we've gotten, we've gotten well, way too negative at, already. Well, as Steve Kerr said on the podium, they just had an NBA Finals where their starting center, who's about to get a payday, was drafted 30th, and they're emerging, potentially going to get a big contract extension this summer, you know, guard uh, Jordan Poole was twenty eighth, yeah. and and a hit rate at that part of the draft. Uh, you know, I, this it's is Kerr's projection, but he said about ten percent, which seems yeah, about you right. You throw no. in Damian uh, Jones, who was number thirty, right? No. You mean Sacramento Kings emerging young center, <laughs> Damian Jones? Oh, I thought you meant Sacramento Kings new center, Kevon Looney. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> you know. 
There's a coach out there that wouldn't mind having a defensive backbone for that team, I'm sure. But that's a, another podcast. That's the Kings We've done podcast. Like three podcasts already, three different versions, but not the one that people wanted. They want us to talk about the season that just happened, the parade that just happened, uh, the trophy that was just won, and we'll spin it into what they're going to do next. I think it's all part of the same picture, but uh, I think. You know, Myers has looked tired after some of these. Like, we, we all know what he looked like after 19 when they lost. He looked, like, devastated. Like, he looked like he was done. And we knew it was, that was leading into they were going to lose Durant. And they, what were they going to do? And turns out they did a lot of good stuff that came paid off a couple years later. I think Myers looked a little tired. He's in the middle of the draft. It's impossible to do the draft while you're doing the NBA playoffs when they have to do it. They do have, as you mentioned, they do have experience doing this. But I thought I – thought, Kerr's been energetic like the last several weeks. He's like, he's like people are like, oh, is this means he's going to end? You know, he's Kenny Axon coming back. He's been promised that he's maybe he's going to replace Kerr. Like, I don't think that's part of this at all. I, I think Kerr like loved every second of this season. It was tiring. It was it took a lot, but he coached his butt off and he loved it. The idea that Kerr want to quit after a championship <laughs> but stick around after fifteen and fifty <laughs> like. That's where you go, right there. Also, and, and coach Team USA, which yes. he's about yeah. to do. Like, that was a sign. That was a sign. Yeah. That taking the assistant job of Popovich, he liked it, and then now he's coach of Team USA. And do you walk away from Steph Curry? Do you, I mean, nobody's walking. I mean, you Not dream, that version yeah, of Steph you Curry. You dream of having coaching Steph Curry in these years and, and a team locked in like this. Well, and you know what else? I mean, he's always like he, – he, he's so aligned with like Greg Popovich in a lot of ways. Well, Greg Popovich always was like, I ain't retiring before Tim Duncan. And then even once – Tim yeah. Duncan retired. He's like, man, I'm good. I mean, Greg Popovich is still going. Like, Greg Popovich is going to just coach a lottery team next year again. I mean, that's a guy who loves coaching, and you feel that from Steve Kerr. No question. And so, and I, I really think, you know, you know, you throw in like what Jordan Poole has become. You know, I think Wiggins, he loves Moody. Wiggins. Was Wig- I think he likes. I really think these younger guys kind of rejuvenated him in a way. Whatever, whatever. If there was a time to like walk away or be fed up with it, it was after nineteen. It was after that dynasty just became a grind. Or maybe like twenty twenty one mix of like the pandemic thrown in yeah. and everyone like just viewing life so differently. Yeah, absolutely. Or when he was in agony with his back. By the way, like he fought back. I go to keep that. I mean, the team was great. But what he had to go through to get back to coaching, he could have easily said, you know what, I'll come back and then that's it. And I need to get this back straight. And he did never once flinch. Like he was going to keep coaching. You don't come back from that and get this team. And, you know, say in three years he wants to coach again, you would want this team. And you don't don't walk away from this team. Well, the other thing about that is, um, you know, I remember when he – you never know how exactly he's feeling. Obviously that that, that back situation – uh, aged him a little bit, but I remember back then he would talk about couldn't play golf, couldn't like basically shoot anymore. You see him outside some practices, he'll be like taking some jumpers a little bit, not like you know super energetic, you know prime Steve Kerr type jumpers, <laughs> but getting a few up. And he mentioned during this playoff run, I think during one of the off days that he went and golfed, so he's clearly feeling pretty good. Yeah, he's. he's I mean, who knows if he's back to one hundred percent? Probably not, but he's you know he's going to relax. He can actually have an off season, and he can you know. Think about the basketball again in September, and this is all like normal stuff. And he just feels great about it. And I'm just talking, he loves coaching. He loves that's his thing. He just thinks he's found GMing wasn't his thing. He liked broadcasting, but it wasn't competitive. He just loves this, and he's really, really good at it. And again, who walks away from Steph Curry's prime years? You just don't, you can't do it. It's silly to do it with a layering underneath the roster that's next. And, and listen, 
Steve Kerr is as competitive as any of them. There's no way he's passing on this victory lap he's about to take after all all the people who are like, hey, Steve, you should be fired. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, I bet you he won't do it because, you know, he's, quote, unquote, off social. But, you know, you know, Steve. He might get on like, social for He might get like, back on he's social Martin, for this. He's going to do the, uh, do the uh, Draymond. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> from a San Diego beach just scrolling like, Whoo, let's go through my mentions from the past few weeks. That would be incredible. That, that Steve definitely has that part to him. It's like, all right, now he's. Like, he's anointed, right? Like, he's, he's you know, reached that kind of upper echelon where, you know, it's kind of tough to question him. You can't just say, oh, he won it because he had this loaded roster. Like, this was one he had to, like, put push the right buttons at every step of the way. And, yeah, you, you, now he gets to bask in that, you know? He gets to be that guy now. Well, also, you know, they learned a lot last season. I mean, he's admitted to, like, the mismanagement of James Wiseman. They've recommitted to the system that he prefers. And, you know, the additions of the developmental staff, you know, obviously Kenny Atkinson, who is sticking around, Dehan, who did a good job with Looney this season, clearly, and is... Has worked with Wiseman, right? Yeah, and, and has been working with him. We'll see what yeah. those results are. He did, he did a good job building on what the other coaches have done before. Right? He unlocked the <laughs> next level of Kavon Looney. Um, and uh, then Jama, who, you know, we'll see what they're going to do with the coaches that, but Jama's clearly a candidate to, to, to get um, bumped. Um, and, like, the... To me, he learned a lot the last couple of seasons about bringing up youth because he's a young coach. Um, you know, it's something Mike Brown actually joked about yesterday at his Kings press conference or, you know, around the was like how many more years Mike Brown has in coaching from Steve Kerr, yet he learned a lot from Steve Kerr. Mike Brown's like 30 years in coaching. Steve Kerr's eight years in coaching. Um, but I think what he learned the last few seasons is in the way that he accepted a new version of a coaching staff kind of developmental staff and the way it worked. And now I feel like he's comfortable like, oh, no, I can help grow these young guys while also winning. That was proven this season. So, yeah, I mean. He's going to need them. These young guys are going to need to play, right? I mean, maybe yeah. not all of them, but Draymond's well, – how many games is Draymond going to play next season? Like 48, 54, something like that. I mean, so he shouldn't play that many. He doesn't need to. And Steph should play 65, 70 at most. Clay, you know, Clay might, you know, play a ton just because he likes playing and he – he might be fully, fully healthy next season. More than, season. like, games played. I mean, because that's a lot dependent on, like, do you tweak an ankle? Do you have this? It's just, like, the the high-load minutes, the burden, the offensive burden, the, the games. What they don't want is Steph Curry when he is playing to get double-teamed out to half court, whatever. Like, no, it's like, Jordan Poole, this year, you know, you're hot tonight? Like, sure, take, you know, 23 shots. Kaminga's on one tonight. Draymond can sit for... You know, he could play 25 minutes or whatever. Yeah, that's I think the, and, and back-to-backs, like yeah. one of each side. That's oh. why I, th- I thought, again, we're talking about the future, but it does work in with the overall picture is uh, maybe they're not going to take a point guard. Maybe they're not going to sign a point guard. I could, they could really use a point guard. <laughs> like some nights to say, Steph, you're not playing. It's Jordan Poole, and there's another point guard here. Or it's just, it, Steph, you're going to play 25 minutes, and we got another point guard here. It's like, it, we don't need you to be the guy handling the ball in some of these games and maybe steal a couple wins uh, without Steph playing. I, I just see that. I mean, again, maybe it's not the way the board falls, but you know, Andrew Nembhard, is from, as has been mentioned from Gonzaga, has mentioned, you know, six foot five point guard. Maybe he's going to be there for them. Maybe it's a little early. But just somebody like that can stick in there. Someone who's just like play, playable for 20 games. I've actually heard that that they're 
is some interest in getting a bigger point guard. Yep. You know, and that it fits their ethos of the past, right? The Sean Livingston yeah, they, led to the Iguodala. Remember how many times this season he wanted Iguodala to basically be the backup yeah, point yeah. guard of the second unit? Um, but now I think Iguodala pretty clearly to them is moving more into even if – and we, we should get to Iguodala in the retire or don't retire decision. But uh, even if he was to come back, you cannot trust him to play – much so couldn't even play him you know trust him in the playoffs not trust him meaning but they couldn't play him because he would get trust the body yeah Yeah, essentially and it's gonna be another year and if he's back and i I think there's a chance i've been around i think there's a chance he's he's on the udonis hasman plan i mean at least for another year they have the roster spots you don't need to hold them for jta and damian lee so there are roster spots did i just cut two people i didn't they're free agents anyway but um i just think that they can hold, you know, and he's not going to be assistant coach. I just don't see that. If, if he wanted to, give him a job. But why does Andre Iguodala need to be in the coaching meetings and all that stuff? But if he wants another year on the roster, wants, what, $3 million, whatever his veteran's minimum is, why not carry him? I mean, I don't think he's made that decision yet. And yeah, and vet minimums, by the way, they don't they, – they only – tax money only goes up yeah. to the actual minimum. So the extra money is in – more tax money. Marcus, uh, you know, I get the sense, I, and Tim certainly got it too, it seems, from Steve and Bob, is like they don't believe Andre's even made the decision. Um, do you think he has and he's just waiting to announce it? or do you, I mean, where are you at on Andre? Right? I think he's made it, and I think they're talking, trying to talk him out of it. <laughs> and not just them. I, I mean, can you imagine 30, 30 yeah. 23, like 11? Uh, you know, they're all – They've been super like effusive with the Andre praise, and they know what he meant. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, "Yo, I'm done," but they're making him reconsider. You think Andre might be enjoying them coming to his doorstep <laughs> on a daily basis? Like, How, have you decided for sure? Yes, you know, hey, you know, bringing him, you know, coffee, and, you know, golf trips. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. really, we need, we should talk through this at Pebble Beach you for, know, for you know him and Steph organizing next yeah. season's golf tour that they're gonna go on around the league. I do think they see how valuable he is. I mean, you start looking at uh, like J.K. and Moody. And even like whoever they bring in, he's been great for Poole. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Poole, like the the burden of you know bringing these young guys along, like he helps them with that. It's not just all on them. They don't have to do this double duty of leading the team and teaching the team. Having Andre, you know, and you know even Kavan, having those other guys on the roster who can help with the live action. We saw this. Here's what we need to. Here's what you need to do. I mean, we saw Andre was pretty mad at GP two over oh, something, yeah. right? He's just like you know, and he's telling him, and GP come over, and he's like yelling, and Eric, that that can't happen live while Steph's playing or right, well, right not playing. only that, like that's something a coach can't do. Like you know, Kenny Atkinson has been great for this for this uh, coaching staff. Kenny Atkinson cannot just go like rail on Gary Payton the second for five minutes during a game. And I mean, look, I, you'd probably ask Miami, like, why isn't Udonis has him a coach? He basically has been a coach for five years. He never plays like Andre at least can still get out there and, you know, help when the body allows Haslam can't, but big salary difference too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> big salary difference, and I it's just it helps in the uh, also when the uh, when the player what what is it when you retire and you get a money back whatever it it helps in the long term money too the another year ten year uh, yeah then another year in, in in which you get paid by the NBA but also I think Andre doesn't want to be seen as an assistant coach it is it's like he's a player he thinks of himself as a player 
uh, and, and he's high up in the players' union. He's an inc- you know you you become an assistant coach. He wouldn't just be another assistant coach, but he kind of would be just another assistant coach. And as a player, as a guy who's out there in practice, as a guy who does play occasionally, there's a different cachet. There's a different weight you have. Uh, than just being, you know, we haven't seen Sean Livingston become assistant coach, right? We haven't seen Zaza become assistant coach. Barbosa sort of is, but oh, he is. Really Barbosa would know. be what what Andre would be, yeah. but like you know, times ten because he's Andre. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, he could do it. And and I've said like the second Andre becomes assistant coach, he's going to be hired as a head coach somewhere in like thirty seconds, just showing that he will do that. But why not just do another year as a player? Why not? I'm, why not I'm get also, the three million? You know, I, why not do that? I don't think he'll ever be a coach. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just like committing to the back I mean, to the ground. Time for him. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Too small time. Yeah, he's he's a mogul, man. He's, yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, we got a pair for this Pacers game, but he's got like this meeting to like with a billion dollars on the line. Like Andre's, he's, oh, he's and, a, and a coach. Would he be allowed to podcast? There's a question right there. Probably not. Probably not. So, like, you keep the podcast going, you'd be, you'd be a player. I think that I don't think that's a small thing, though. No, not. you like the podcast, but the building of his empire. Yeah, so yeah, and that's like, better as a player or retired, yeah. not as an assistant. Or player. better as a player because when you retire, you automatically lose some yeah. cachet, you lose some access, you, you know, all of that. But if as long as he's playing, he can keep building that element. Also, the only way I could see him becoming a coach is if his gm was like basically sean livingston like he knows the sides of like front office and like the cd sides of the league and agents and ownership groups and like he would need like a sean livingston type to be his gm Somebody for trust him. right yeah. but we're getting way doesn't, doesn't trust bob myers is that what you're saying there what you say him <laughs> Kerr successor we just got, got done talking about why kerr's got about three decades of coaching left um all right uh i, I mean the draft is tomorrow. Um, what did you guys just think of Myers today and, I guess, some Kerr today? What was the biggest takeaway? Since I was uh, – I would think they're, they're super – I'm probably going to write this. that They're so much better equipped for this situation. And, I mean, we wrote about this entering the, the playoffs. But the front office is just vastly different. Their whole organization is different. They're putting players, young players, into a machine now. And you could tell they feel they feel a lot more confident about it. Uh, and they aren't like one thing that was funny is I remember 2018. It was like, yo, they trying to find somebody who give them a few minutes. Right. Like somebody can come in. Now they're like, yeah, nah. I mean, they're basically drafting and stashing on their own roster. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, there's less pressure when it, you know, back then it was like, you know, we need to find some level of youth. Like can Jacob Evans give a few minutes? Patrick McCall, we need some layer underneath. Now it's like you're oh, like, yeah. you'd be the fifth most important yeah. young player. Yeah, they, the layers. That's it. they do have the layers already and they have the luxury of that. Uh, and I, I, I come out of it thinking, you know, they're not so sure about James Wiseman. And, and they have every right to not be sure about James Wiseman. I think they kind of have an idea on Kaminga. Uh, you know, we'll see when Kerr plays him. You know, he's not entirely trusting of him, but there's talent. There's so much, so much talent there, and he's still so young. He, and he does trust Moody to an yeah. extent. So, like, they got a read on those two guys. I don't think they have a read on Wiseman. You can't. Yeah, can't. I mean, I think you, I've said Robert Williams is, like, that's somebody you should look to. Uh, you know, he's years away from being that productive. But he's also years younger than Robert Williams. I don't think they're even trying to say that. They're like, just let's just get him on the floor. He's going to play, probably going to play in these two games, the California Classic, with July 2nd and 3rd, you know, next weekend. Uh, what does he look one like? One side of those two. There's no way they're There's a back-to-back. Yeah, he won't play back-to-back. Yeah, he'll play one one of those games. He'll maybe play one or two in Vegas. 
But I, I got it. I, I thought there would be, from Bob in particular, would be, oh, James Wiseman, we think so much of him. We know he's, he's behind, but you know, it's just incredible talent because we do hear that from other people in the organization. Did not hear that from Bob, but I think it's carefully calculated. They just don't want to put too much expectation on it. They've, they've done too much of it in the past. And now, hey, let's see what they got. They, you know, they don't need someone to play 40 minutes at center, especially if they keep Looney. Now, they lose Looney. That's a whole different thing. Now, well, that, see, that, that all of a sudden, that's one huge, I mean, among the many reasons that they need to keep Looney is <laughs> everyone's like, okay, James Wiseman's going to play 30 minutes at center now, and they don't want to go down that road. Yeah, I mean, that can pivot us to the offseason. It's probably what I'll be writing in now or in the next few days or whatever. But uh, to me, is and Bob mentioned, he said the biggest challenge of the summer, which is not always the case is retaining their own free agents and i think there's a belief where a lot you know you go back in the past the jordan bells the you know zazas whoever the uh, david west as guys go into free agency there was a thought that you know they're basically probably going to be able to retain them on the minimum they don't believe that about looney or gary payton the second i don't think Otto porter maybe we'll see um but to me priority number one of the entire offseason beyond a pool extension beyond even a wiggins extension is Kavon Looney. I mean, you have you have to. I mean, you could go out and try to get a minimum vet center, but he's not going to have the institutional knowledge that Looney has, the growth that Looney has shown, the durability now at this point, but just playing 104 games, um, and with the situation with James Wiseman, not only do you your veteran core is not going to trust that James Wiseman can can give that type of you know uh, winning t- capabilities in the playoffs. But you don't want James Wiseman to have too much pressure going into next season. You want James Wiseman coming in and being like, well, okay, 15, 20 minutes to start maybe. Um, they just got to bring Rudy back really at whatever price. But also, yeah, it, it fits their motto, right? Like you produce for them, you get paid. They reward you for delivering, right? Like we didn't – many didn't think Draymond was getting that last extension, right? Uh, and it's expensive, but that's their modus operandi, right? You produce for them, they pay you. Like Especially that, when it all completes in a tight. Absolutely. When you get you get a championship, they they pay you. You know, can you? You can't even imagine them not taking care of Wiggins at this point, right? Like, and if you can do that for Wiggins, you gotta do it for Looney. That's the culture of the team. So all of that stuff where it's like, hey, Wiggins, you come here and they treat you well, and he can say that on this national podium, basically signaling to free agents, you come here, you, you can't do that, and then you can't be that and then not take care of Kevon Looney, who, by the way, you've already not picked up his option once. You already let him test the free agent market once, and you just... Hey, he's he's tested the free agency yeah. like four times. <laughs> also, you, you've drafted the number two overall pick signaling to him, like, yes. you are not the future. And now, that's where this is complicated, though, because James Wiseman's getting like nine-point-something million, I think, next season, 12.1 after that and if looney's we're talking potentially double digit million you're talking about putting 20 million before we even talk about what those tax penalties are into a center position that like in their minds like we don't spend like this on yeah. the center position i mean that's what it is you kind of got to do it but that you just you can't you can't not take care of looney and be who the warriors are Unless, I mean, the only way is if somebody goes nuts, blow them out the water, and then it's tip your cap and you'd be happy for Looney. To me, that's more the Gary Payton strategy. Yeah. To me, Looney's like, no, you've got to do it. Because you could not have gotten through this season 
or gotten to the finals without Kevon Looney. They got to the finals without Gary Payton II. They won the Memphis series. They won the Dallas series without him. Obviously, he's a nice weapon. They should try to bring him back. But to me, he's the more like, hey, if somebody blows us out of the water. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. That GP deal is a, a much more palatable than Looney. <laughs> you just feel like the money is going the money, to the, I, mo- I, the money for Looney is going to be way. Is more it though? I mean, I don't want to be mean about this. Is I'm somebody is somebody with cap space going to say here's eighteen million? I mean, there's not that many teams with cap space. Hardly any of them are good. So you know, or the Houston Rockets. I mean, it won't be the Rockets. Mike but I'm Brown saying, looking yeah, for I, a defensive I, backbone. I, I don't. See, I, don't see, I, I mean, I don't. 10. You think GP's getting ten? No, no. I think no, no. I'm saying Looney. Yeah. I'm so saying, I'm saying I'm Looney plus. G- no, it's going to be Looney plus GP two are going to be a number. Like they're going to say. The, so the higher the number that goes for Looney, the less they'll have for GP two, and maybe they lose GP two. But if they can keep Looney down, you know, not down, but if, you know, if, if Looney's twelve instead of fifteen, then maybe GP can be six instead of four. That's what I'm saying. I think the Looney number is going to affect everybody else on that roster, but especially GPT because he's the other one who can get more than the minimum or more. You know, he could get some of the taxpayer middle level, and or early bird, I guess, is what he would be. Yeah. But again, it's not a, it's not a number that's going to be infinity. They're not going to go no matter what. I just don't. I don't think. I mean, I'm pretty sure Looney will not get a huge offer. I just don't see. I just don't see a team blowing its cap space on Kevon Looney. We've seen it in the past. He's better now. He's done it year after year. He's not hurt, but I don't see it, and I don't think that number is going to go sky high. And I think that will reflect. I don't know about GP two what he's going to do because he's going to get a multi year offer from yeah. somebody. But again, he's a guy who doesn't shoot. He's six foot three. Like he fits so specific. What saying is doesn't shoot. He keep hitting corner threes in your face. with a broken elbow. He's just he's swishing with a broken elbow. He's not. I mean, like what team? I mean, like the Boston Celtics would be great, but. They're not going to sign GP. Like, like, what other team does he fit on for nine million dollars a year? I could see like a team like the Thunder or one of these younger teams, particularly smartly run younger teams, just saying like that's a winning component to add to this youth. Or you know, even Looney could you could argue just because of like locker room leadership, championship you know mentality, bring them in for double digit million you know for a few years. Uh, and they just like you know they help you set a culture. It's why I'm I'm jokingly mentioning the Mike Brown thing, but like, do you think Mike Brown wouldn't mind having Kevon Looney no, in that I, Kings I mean, locker? Listen, I understand it. I just don't see those guys getting that money yeah. ever. You just like tell me when that's happened. So well, the guys who don't score, like, just tell me when. Well, that's, it just it's not it's not what got, what teams pay for, and maybe they should. But it's not where the, the cap space. Those guys tend to be more sign and trade situations, and the Warriors would not can't do sign and trades because they can't take a player back in a sign and trade because it would be over the hard cap. So I just don't see. I think the number is going to be fine, and I think Looney should be paid, but I don't think it's going to be 15, 18. I do not see that. And Peyton, I'm not sure, 
But he, again, he's not young. He's, tw- he's older than Looney, right? He's two years older than Looney. This is not a player that everyone's going to think is going to go, you know, sky, sky high possibilities. And he doesn't shoot. And, and, and he, you know, you can't play him as a point guard. Like, there's all these weird things that make him fit with the Warriors. I don't, I mean, Orlando Magic, those, you know, Washington Wizards, they're not going to, they're not going to be signing GP2. They mean, they should, in the history, they should have signed guys like him, but they just don't. It's just not, it just doesn't you know, translate you know to these. spot guys. where GP2 would be great, I think? Detroit. Where they got Cade running the point. Well, and, and that's Troy Weaver's like MO yeah, too. Absolutely. You know. So he agreed, but the argument for is Looney's past. He's gone into these free agencies, including the one after nineteen, where we did think it was a good payday. And honestly, Boston he get like nine, yeah. eight. Boston did, decided to play yeah. Ennis Canner instead of him. And if they and if he did, the Warriors would have let him go. Like they were not in a position to keep him. They would have let him go like ninety five times. <laughs> yes, and he just yes. kept sticking around and now he's there. You know, he's got chance in the arena. He warmed down by being so good. I'm going to go on the underside for him. On GP2 is a little different just because he's so athletic and and you can see him possibly the team going and the number is going to be lower. But I just think there's going to be like, like, it's going to be like 19 million for the two. That's what I think is in that range. And if it go, if the more Looney goes up because he's the he's the higher priority because they just don't have anybody to replace him, then the number for GP two might go down. If the number for Looney goes down, then the number for for GP two might go up. I, you know, it's going to be hard to get them exactly concurrently, but I just feel like those two guys are going to have a number, yeah. and and Looney's going to be the priority. Yeah, but he should be the priority. Um, and the one thing that you, that you can hear from Myers, and they always say this, and it's true about unrestricted free agency, is like the unpredictable nature of it, where Generally, I think like if you just throw guys into a formula, there's a certain number, you know. And a lot of these teams do, right? They have these analytics things, but then there's always the first day of free agency, and you're just like the Pistons just played Mason Plumley like two years, like twenty four million, and like those are the like if there just is a random team that Moscow. instead of Mason Plumley, they're like this year we're gonna pay Kavon Looney two years thirty million. It's like. That's how you lose guys, and they can't predict if there's a wacky team out there that's going to do something wacky. The Bucks? No, the Bucks don't have any no, cap space, but four one four, baby, get him, <laughs> get get him out there. I, but I do think whatever he gets, yeah, this is where it's like Steph and Draymond and Clay, and they're like, hey, you can't let them take Looney, and he he gets paid. I don't think it'll be that high, but I do think they paid eighty million dollars for Kelly Oubre when. Nobody else wanted him on the team except for the owner. And credit to Joe for saying, you know what? It's my money. It's going to cost me it. I'm going to do it. But if you're going to pay $80 million for the salary plus the tax for, for Kelly Oubre, Jr., you can pay $80 million. You know what for, that for also means? Probably Otto Porter. Like, if it ain't the minimum, you're probably not returning. And probably no mid-level exception usage. Yes. Would, would probably be like the... If they tell the stars well, Looney's back, eat the mid level. No, he's early bird. Early so the, yeah, he's early bird, and you know, tri- it's a tricky one just because he was on the roster at the end of last year, and then he wasn't on the roster to start camp, but then he was on the roster to start the season. They get the two well, they years. Well, cut him right before. Yeah, game I know. Two, that's why right? I just assumed they lost the early bird, but no. just because of that technical thing, they have the early bird, which is big. But they will not be. I don't think they're going to use a taxpayer. I mean, they didn't use a taxpayer mid level last year. They're not going. to. I would really doubt. Not unless they get up. extreme bargains on their own guys, and there's. A Somebody out there that's like so valuable. Nick Batum, Nick again. Batum, who I mean, is they won last year. probably going back to the Clippers, who I think are the Warriors' biggest challenger yes. next season. But that's a, another conversation for even, another even day. When they get Kyrie, <laughs> yeah, even more than you know, depends on who they get him for. But you know, Ballmer pays. We talk about you know ownership being in a competitive advantage. 
Ballmer oh, checkbook for checkbook. He, he'll go. He'll go. He'll go signature for signature. It'd be funny if the Balmer's like his payroll ends up higher than the Warriors. Joe like, hey, let's. We got to get somebody else. We got to be the highest by far. We got to be the highest in North American sports history. Don't want to be. Don't want to have Balmer jump over us. Uh, yeah. The, hey, I, there's there's a lot of things, and I don't want to be too skeptical of all this, but like the Warriors, I was telling them, the Warriors did catch some breaks this playoffs. Kawhi being out was like the you see they run into Clippers in the second round. That would have been tough. Uh, and Phoenix imploding or whatever happened to them against Dallas. Like, the West Conference kind of just opened up for them. They took advantage of it to their credit. But them not having a tough time in the West while Boston was going 7-7 seven well, seven in the last two series, like, that set the Warriors up to beat Boston. I think they would have beat them anyway, but it really set them up to beat Boston and and. The good teams, the great teams take advantage of it, and the Warriors did, but it wasn't like they didn't catch some breaks. Well, you don't see Phoenix. Memphis loses jaw in the middle of the series. And Denver... I think the biggest one is Middleton being out. Because if I think Giannis is a much tougher solve than Jason Tatum. I think that was proven. (laughs) Um, But also, you know... There was a time in like late March where Denver was messaging out to reporters. I think Sam Amick even put it out. Like there was an internal thought: Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. were going to be there in the playoffs. Then suddenly they get to the first round. Remember that Denver team in the first round <laughs> was horrible. I mean, that was such a little like cake start for them, where they were probably at their most vulnerable. I mean, they're saying now how much better they felt by the second round. They're like, oh, we're getting better. Jordan Third round, we're getting starting. Started the first four games of that series, you know. That's, yeah. And they, dominate. Yeah, they, they had, again, full credit to them for getting through it, but they caught some breaks. And y- this happens. This happens on all championship runs. You know, you, you get some breaks. Cleveland caught some breaks when they beat the Warriors in 16, with Draymond getting suspended and Steph kind of running out of steam and Andre being hurt. And, Although, but, and Bogut, right? Bogut was hurt that year, too. I will, I will say... Kawhi being hurt and Michael Porter Jr. being hurt is not actually a break. That's yeah. like how it is. Yeah. They, yeah, they're so always much, hurt. No question. <laughs> oh. just, this is, and that the Warriors were so durable once they got to the playoffs. Like it was like these guys, Steph gets hurt in a game in the finals and comes right back. Like these are, these are t- there's toughness there that they displayed because of who they are and their bodies and however shape they keep themselves in. And I keep saying this when Clay played the most minutes on the Warriors in the playoffs. Like, just, that's incredible. That's well, just also, amazing. The timing worked out really well for them. What was the story going into the playoffs? Clay, Draymond, and Steph, in over a three-year period, had played 11 total minutes together as of April, whatever, 15th. And the fact that it lined up where suddenly, after three years of being unable to align them together for the most important two-month stretch of the three years, they got them all together. They all stayed on the floor together. Um, it's And it shows to the experience that they could do it. Like, they just pick it up and boom, here we go. Now, Denver was a soft start to it, and Memphis was tough. I mean, I, we go back to when was the moment that you thought, I think they thought they might get eliminated it was after game six and Mem- it was after game five. I'm sorry, in Memphis, and they they're coming to game six. Steve is out. They just got destroyed by Memphis. Memphis had kind of think you know they lost Morant, but they had changed things up in a way that that they put Stephen Adams in there and Jaron Jackson was bugging the hell out of Draymond. Uh, and, and game and, seven was in Memphis. Memphis. It was the only series they didn't have home court. Yeah. And remember that game? I mean, it was uh, game six. Like wasn't game it? six was easy. Huge. Game. game six was huge, and they knew it. 
And they what did they do? They put Kevon Looney in the yes, starting lineup? Exactly. And he had 22 rebounds. said, we want that. That's why they can't lose Kevon Looney more than anything. Not because he played great. It's because Stephen Draymond said, get him in the lineup. The 22 rebounds equal $22 million a year. <laughs> $22 million total. <laughs> Two years, 22? Uh, Two years, 22 would, like... That'd be good for them. That would be good for them. That'd be good for them. I don't, yeah, again, I don't want to go on and on this, but I don't see that $15 million a year deal for Kavon. Maybe one year, 15, but if the Warriors offer three and, you know, 32, that's a better deal. And they'll lock him in. And I don't know if they're going to offer him that because obviously you mentioned there's Wiseman coming up, but I'll just slide this one in. I believe that Wiseman for them is more kind of like a alt for Draymond, not for Looney. He's a rim protector. They want and what did Kerr say about him today? Defense, defense. Like they want him to be a defensive presence that changes them athletically on that side. And I'm not saying Draymond's out because Draymond is so important to this. But I'm saying when you think about are they going to extend Draymond, which they could do. I don't see that happening this year. I think they're thinking, well, wait a minute. The guy who might replace some of that or, or help, you know, supplement some of that is James Wiseman, not Kavon Looney, not Kaminga. Uh, it's different, but they think the effect is going to be like, you know, possibly a Jaron Jackson effect. And the position that is is not center so much as it's power forward that can slide to center. If they're, if they're thinking that, that's insane. <laughs> James Wiseman will not be that great of a defender. He's not. But it's it's the athletic it's the athletic but he ability can't protect yep. the rim. Not no. yet. It's seven not one. Yet. Not for not, not for a few not years. Not, not for. Yeah, it's well, inst- that's instinct. It's, it's instinct. It's feel. It's timing. A lot of that stuff he's got to learn. I'm, I, maybe I still have visions of TJ McConnell getting you, layups on him. Like that scarred you for life. I don't know how many times you've referenced <laughs> TJ McConnell scooping. Right, he was just every time. Oh, TJ McConnell does that, that to like, he does that to everybody. He does that to everybody. Uh, He's a long ways away. Well, I'm, the, I'm just saying, if you if you extend it out, like when we were saying, it, could Looney get a three year deal? Maybe not. Maybe yes. Is there an overlap with Wiseman? Yes. If you're thinking Wiseman's going to be there for a long time. But I don't think they're that worried about the overlap. They're more thinking about an overlap with Draymond. I'm yeah. just saying, put it well, that way. I, I think that's, that's what well, they think. Because the truth is, when they drafted James Wiseman, like, Kevon Looney was already out of the picture. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. he, it was I maybe mean, what you're saying is right, but it, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. started many of them. Yeah. Like, the first 20 games. He was already like, all right, thanks, Kevon. Uh, Kevon has played himself back into the picture yeah. in a major way. And also, uh, this entire plan that they've had that, again, we, we could talk about all the different ways it's worked out. The Wiseman part of it hasn't. Um, and, you know, that's a, mostly due to this knee issue that, he, that he's still trying to get over. But, and the fact that he was terrible when he played with Steph <laughs> as a rookie. So that's kind of a big deal. But, I, you know, that's a young player they threw in the middle of this. I think that can change. I think, you know, they can figure that part out. problem for them is, like, next season is his rookie season. Yeah. Like, but I, but I, I see Kaminga, they think of as, a, like, a 3-4, you know, and Moody they see as a 3 in a wing. I, I think Wiseman they see as this interesting dynamic thing that's going to change the way they play a little bit. Kaminga, too. You know, I, I looked at that. You know, Memphis a little bit and, and Boston, like you see these athletes. Oh, my God, these athletes, are, they're above, they're playing above the rim in a way the Warriors just don't, except for, you know, Wiggins occasionally. And, you know, I guess there was a few other players who could get it, but not that many. GP2, clearly. But, like, who are these big, big forwards who can get up there? And I, I kind of like that. Again, they'll take Draymond every second of every day. 
if Draymond's Draymond, you know, when that stops being 100% Draymond, and we saw a little bit of it, I think they'd like to get more athletic. I think they'd like to have some guys getting up in the air and challenging the rim and not passing up layups. And, you know, that's the way they might imagine playing in two years with Kaminga and Wiseman. That's, we have no idea if they can do it. Zero idea. But that's kind of the long-range plan. And that's why you hold on to those two guys while you try to win this championship. And they freaking pulled it off. I was about to ask something. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to, but I'm just like... Yeah. I, I just think whatever the timeline is, it's 2025. And not 2023. Well, it depends on which player we're talking about. Like, to me, Moody's timeline is, like, you're in the rotation next season. Yeah, Moody's in there. But, like, before you, like, the changing of the guard. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the fact that he wouldn't play Kaminga says a lot. But the issue is, and you're right, they like, the athleticism is jarringly behind from the players who play. But they win it with... IQ with movement with read and react right that's how you kind of beat the athleticism so they gotta wait for those guys to be able to do that oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying that's the problem well, 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 that play was to play with Steph right yeah. I mean you know it might take three years you don't want to play a bunch of players around Steph who can't play with Steph I mean they learned that last year and who knows if Kaminga and Wiseman can well, do that Moody this, Moody probably can Moody, that's why Moody he's can yeah. for sure but um, can I Moody play some. Can't play some of that Andre point. I remember he did it a little yeah. bit, but I don't know if it's No, he's more like catch and slash, catch and go. Yeah. He's not like I he had to call bring it up play. a couple of times. I was like, is he grooming him? Well, everyone yeah. brings it up on this team. Maca- um, no, it's going to be McCaw. That's who's There's going to be times like Bielitz <laughs> is bringing it up. Um, but this is a conversation that, and probably the storyline that will be going into next season, but to me, you don't have to obsess over seeding next season. You don't have to be as good as possible in the first month. It's different, right? Uh, and so to me, playing Kaminga and Wiseman if healthy as much as possible with you know it, within that environment next season early will be important where they don't have to get to 18 and 2 you know just to prove to themselves that oh, they can yeah, still I mean, be at this level they know they're at this level Warriors can win 48 games next season and be the 6th seed and nobody is going to want to play them i mean it's just they can do that home court advantage is nice they don't need it you know you, you might want it against Boston or against Milwaukee, you know, in the finals, they, they might not have it. But I, I think they can toss away. I mean, away they tanked the last two and a half months and had it in the finals yeah. this year. I mean, remember how, how bleak it felt at times oh, yeah. in the last, like, month and a half of the regular season? Oh, yeah. There was, like, there was like four and 11 stretches. Well, they there were 25 and 22, I think I figured it out, after, a, like, going 25 and 6, whatever it was. And it didn't matter. I mean, they're still them. And they weren't even healthy in the final regular season game. And as someone pointed out, by the way, they needed to win that final regular season game to uh, – with Boston, it wasn't as important. I guess with Miami, if it was Miami, they would have needed that win. Well, not and, only – And Clay goes for 40, whatever the hell, 40 points in the final game. And they – you know, they win the last five regular season games without Steph to finish with 53 wins and set themselves up to have home court advantage against everybody they played except for Memphis. They, they, they can do that again. They would have played know. Phoenix in the second round if they didn't. And who knows what happened. I mean, at this point, you probably say they would have won that just because <laughs> we saw what Phoenix did in the second round. I, mean, there, I think there's a lot of people thinking they'd beat Phoenix before they... It just would have been a weird path. They they if they had lost that last regular season game, they would have went Utah, Phoenix... Memphis, maybe, you know, who knows what would have happened between Memphis and Dallas, and then not at home court if they got to the finals. It would have been a weirder path. I don't know. This yeah, was things, a cake. Things path. broke right for them at the very, not even like with two weeks left. It was like the final few days, everything broke for them. 
but they took advantage of it and they made it happen. And, and that's to their credit. And you just can't, as Draymond said, don't let them win a championship, right? Don't let them win a championship because then all these guys have more confidence. I don't think they're going to be tired next year. Now, as Kirk keeps saying, they might probably going to be better next year than they were at least in the regular season. The third year is really tiring, but these two years they had, like they're maximizing the rest they got. They're, they're, you know, they, they got a second win. They got more energy. They didn't play them all out like crazy. And I can't, well, how many games does Steph and Draymond play last two seasons? You know, maybe 130 apiece, maybe not even that. Like, this is, this is a rest, pretty rested team for as veteran as they are after just going through the championship round. They're going to be kind of flying in the next season with all these guys, with Andrew Wiggins with a championship, with Jordan Poole with a championship. Like, if they bring Looney back, that's, what, three championships for Looney, I think? Uh, they, well, yeah, they, I was on his parade boat the other day. There was threes the whole time, and the whole Looney <laughs> family. Do, I like doing, doing that update. Threes. Like, who has four? Who has three? Who has two? Um, a ton of them have one, but like Looney's one of the rare ones with three. It's like Looney Livingston might be it with three. I don't know if anyone else has three. Uh, of course, the top guys are Andre, Steph, Clay, and Draymond have four. But like that's how many players in the history of the league have three championships? Not that many. Was Adam Morrison have? He's like two. Or <laughs> might have three. Does he? He got oh, two sorry. at least with Kobe. I just remember they would always clown that's him on right. Jimmy Kimmel after a championship show. Um, you know, I think a key point we can kind of like get out on this segment. But you know, uh, a big storyline and assumed urgent storyline and I think to a lot of people is Jordan Poole's rookie extension and Andrew Wiggins potential veteran extension this summer and I've been thinking about there's it lately another, there's another extension Dre Green, which yeah that has that's probably you could even extend Clay, Clay I mean, I'm, not, Clay, yeah. I'm not sure they will but um the and Bob made the point today and I've, I've been thinking about it because I just do feel like there's such there's a little bit more of a panic about it it's like rookie extensions usually don't get done until October I mean this will Jordan Poole probably, unless something gets, like, they both sides are just like, yeah, we love it. Uh, you know, I, it's probably not even going to really even start being talked about until camp range because that's usually how it goes for rookie extensions. And then with Wiggins, maybe something gets done over the summer. As Myers said, you could sign it during the season. You could sign it at any time. But the, they're, oh, so those – not gone. <laughs> Wiggins is not gone next year. I'm sorry. Theoretically, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Man. Was that was that? Did did people think that that was maybe the case? I saw some stuff on Twitter about he might be gone. So I'm. I mean, those conversations will be had, but right now you could tell. First of all, right now there's 20 people upstairs. I heard even the international scouts are here. They're like pouring over tape for tomorrow. That's that's you know checklist number one is like draft somebody and they have two late second rounders which i've heard they feel pretty good about that part of the draft maybe getting like a two-way guy that type of thing so that's tomorrow and then you could tell everything after that will be unrestricted free agency looney payton porter rebuilding the roster around that and then i think they'll get to pool wiggins so like that wiggins had a pool i think yeah yeah i mean because wiggins is unrestricted in a year and even if they let the pool thing play out, he's restricted in a year. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's – you don't necessarily want to get to that point. That's where Phoenix is with, with DeAndre Ayton. But I don't think the Warriors would be too fearful of restricted free agency with Jordan Poole because guess what? It would mean somebody might offer him a, a max, and if he's, someone is offering a max, the Warriors probably would pay it and would match it and keep him. Uh, like, these are not terro- terrifying things to them. But also, I mean, just think about the Ayton situation that you're mentioning. It didn't even become a story until, like – yeah. 
October exactly. something yeah. because like that's just like deadlines spur deals spur deals yes exactly and they don't need to yeah this is something they would pull they can wait on they got all these I think the the to me the Wiggins thing is easier just because he loves it here they love him there's a number it's not I don't think it would be the max like if he demands the max then then you wait on it because he might have a crappy year next year who knows but if you can get him for 28. You know, average of 28, 29 a year for a three-year extension, then it's just fine, and you do it. And you just you plug that guy in, and he's your small forward for the next four years, and you're really happy about it. I think they'd like to do that. Just And also, I think he would feel better that way. Like, they want him to feel loved. Like, they want him. They've, he's, he's heard it. They've expressed it. They can say, here, we're offering you three years, 93. We love you stay and then i think you would just get better and better play out of him as you saw from him as he was feeling the love through these playoffs like they are showering him with confidence and support and everything they've got in this franchise and they're really good at it hey might as well throw that extension at him and see you know and he might do it again again he might want the max he might want 35 38 39 whatever but then i don't think they'd do it for that but for a little bit less than that for a guy who's made a ton of money in his was, was 140 million his last contract like, I, I can see that being a very easy three-year extension coming up at, at any time. Might not, it's not going to be right away, but I can see that coming up pretty quick. Yeah, I think he's so happy, he'd, he'd probably just want to stay. Also, another caveat that I learned, uh, unfortunately for Andrew Wiggins, he has one more year left on his shoe deal. But after next year, he, you know, especially playing with the Warriors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, would this probably, have been a lucrative <laughs> time? Oh, this, this would have been a great time to do it, but... <laughs> Even still, he'll be on the Warriors. He'll be on. Anta, Anta ready to cash him out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. Anta might come yeah, for him. Yeah, he's with Peak now, I think. Or I, don't wanna, know. Yeah, I think it's Peak he's yeah. with. But how about uh, Anta? They had got Looney early. Looney yeah, was wearing Looney Anta early. the other day. Yeah, for Anta shirt on. Yeah. I just yeah. So you know, Wiggins will be looking at whenever that new money comes. He'll be also looking at new shoe money, yeah. which I think will will help the decision. But I do I, I do feel like. There's gonna be well, a, a harmonious. You, let's work. Let's hack. Let's let's crank out a three year deal. Look, we we want we got we got to pay all these people. We want you a part of it. This is what we do here. We sacrifice, right? And now you know maybe he doesn't go out there demanding a max because you know instead of the max, he's getting the chance to win and be on a you know a place he loves. Well, you get more money in a shoe deal if you're part of the Warriors brand yeah, than if you're you know. just like an Orlando Magic superstar. I do think that's going to be a big deal, though. Right? A shoe deal is up yeah, after yeah, one exactly. year. Yeah. Those are huge deals. And the shoe companies loves players situated on the Golden State Warriors because you are featured in throughout the playoffs. Uh, and, and you're just next to Steph Curry, next to Steph Curry. <laughs> where eyeballs Absolutely. gravitate towards. Um, all right, Marcus, I'm going to need your top ten possibilities at the 28th overall pick. <laughs> What's the guy from Santa Clara, Jalen? Oh, he's Wood? I don't know. People fall. People I just, do I just fall. Say, people yeah. fall. I say Paul, Ben Carroll falling. Buddy Beheim. Buddy. <laughs> oh, wow. Buddy Beheim. Buddy Beheim did a draft work out here. No, that might be more for That's 51. 51. Yeah. Hey, well, then we need to get into this. What would the Buddy Beheim drafting at 51 mean for the future of Justinian Jesso? <laughs> do they still have him? I, was I mean, they have that. his rights. <laughs> How about Nico Mannion? Bring him back. Uh, they do have his rights as well. I like the Nemhard thing because I've been saying point guard. I don't I think he's I need to pick in our, in our beat writer mock draft. Like now, I'm actually getting beeped on uh, Slack. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do just for you, Tim? I'm going to pick him. There you go. Drop him in. 
I don't. I didn't. I didn't watch a ton of Gonzaga. I watched. I mostly was watching the center on Gonzaga more than him. But I think he's athletic. Can Timmy, Jacob, Timmy, you love yourself some Jacob Timmy. I know <laughs> no, you're talking I do not. about home. Yeah, right? yeah, not that center. I like the other center there. Uh, and was it Jake Ravine, Lavina, whatever? Who's the, the Wake the Forest? Wake Forest. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I, I see a lot of people with him. I see he looks athletic. He can shoot the three. You know, kind of a I see, like maybe a less athletic Joe Harris type, which they've always liked that type. They've never had that type. Marcus, have they ever? Have they ever? They have like they keep saying they like these guys and they never actually take get them. Well, they've been meaning to sign Joe Harris, but they never he never takes it. But like they like that athletic wing shooter type. And What's the dude from the ignite, uh, Bochamp. Yeah, he's Mar- yeah he might be there twenty eight. Yeah, Marjan. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. Yeah, um, I'll say Nemhart would be the guy just because I I do think he's a I, small though. Six, five, six, four, six, six five. Like he's a tall point guard in college. I mean, he might not look tall in the he's NBA. But who's height, ain't he? Yeah. yeah, which is six four, six five. Um, I just think you know having their experiment with Wanamaker, their experiment with Nico Mannion, uh, Chioza, who got minutes by the way. He's getting a ring. Chris Chioza's getting a ring. Um, they would like a bigger point guard. Like an uh, Italian journalist was asking me at the finals, like you know, could Mannion come back? I guess he had a terrible year in Italy. Uh, and he's coming back to the league, and it's like I just don't think they're into this, you know, six foot tall point guards here anymore. Like it just they get barbecued on switches, and they just want bigger point guards, someone who could run the offense a little bit, and and, and be okay in switches. And that's why I'm I'm kind of looking at Nembhard. Well, I am too. As I pull up my uh, beat writer mock draft, and people <laughs> can read right that on. He is pick. still available. Kennedy Chandler also is Jake Ravia. Yes. Okay. Cool. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you, Christian Braun from Kansas. I kind of like. Him. I mean, yeah. he's not a bad player. Like, he's a Warriors kind of player. Yeah. Like he reminds me of uh, uh, the, the oh, Jesus. Who was the old guy last year who went to Indiana? Uh, Duarte. Like you know, that kind of like athletic two three guy that you're not sure quite sure what his position is, but he can do some stuff. That's what that guy reminds me of. Where's the dude from the town going? Jalen Lewis. There's a guy. I have no idea. Yeah, put. He went to that overtime elite league. Justin Lewis? Nah, Jalen. Which means he's probably going to be available because we don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he might be available at 15. Put another over on the team. Yeah, Jalen Lewis, Bishop O'Dow. He played in the overtime elite. All right, well, I'm going to make this. Uh, this is descending. Nemhar, yes, it is. All right, we, uh, I, we may do something post draft. We may not. Probably do something pre free agency, but uh, we will talk to you at some point. Soon. See you. Luke Williams in left, Mauricio Dubon in center, Anthony uh, 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 Slater in uh, right field, Austin Slater.